0: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
1: Greetings comrades and welcome to the Eastern border And this is the political episode of the month As we've been digging through uh, Russian Siberia slash Alaska all this time It's time to keep you updated on what's going on in modern-day Russia See, for one, although the election starts at the 1st of July officially There is a 7-day voting period for the new constitutional changes That would make Putin president for life, basically Giving him another 12 years And I have to say that these um, election booths have popped up all over the country, including in your backyard, just, you know, a car with its back windshield open and everything, and just people sitting in the cargo hold. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an election booth. And there is also reports on an electronic system that is being used in several regions across Russia to monitor turnout among employees at major enterprises during this... Well, wouldn't call it plebiscite, it's not, because a lot of these parts of the constitution have been already in power, but let's just call it plebiscite on amending the constitution. And of course, let me remind you, these changes about all the constitution stuff is just there to allow Mr. Putin to remain in power until 2036. The electronic system uses the website Votley.ru Formally, it was developed by an IT specialist from Rybinsk named Ivan Petrov, and not by government agencies. As it turns out, however, the system is running on servers owned by state agencies in several regions across Russia, including in Chevyashya, Komi Republic, Bashkortostan, the Krasnodar Territory, and the Tambov region, which, for some reason, are the same reasons with the largest separationist uh, movements, I suppose? Feelings? In several regions across Russia, IT specialists working for the national post operator Russian Post were quote-unquote mobilized to monitor vo- water turnout among employees in the plebiscite on constitutional amendments. A nationwide vote that began on June 25th and will run until July 1st. Computer technicians at Russian Post were, reportedly, instructed to use a system available at the website Votely.ru. After obtaining access to a demo version of the system, my colleagues at Medusa discovered that dozens of Russian's biggest companies are also registered with Voteli, including the defense firm Rostek, the telecommunications company Rostelecom, the petrochemical company Sibur, the steel giant Severstal, as well as Russian Railways, Lukoil and others and at least two regions plan to use Votily to monitor voter turnout the Yaroslav legion where the system was developed and the Altai territory yeah they are uh, very deep into it and we have seen calls to people stating that oh no no don't go and vote, uh, someone has voted for you already I mean the voting part's been done, just stay at home because once again um, the Russian opposition struggles with its own meanings and what they want to say, because some people state that everyone should just boycott this election, other people state that, well, if you just don't go, they'll vote for you. Not even a passport is necessary, and there have been many cases where people have voted more than once, but we'll get to that later. Right now, we're going to be talking about their electronic voting system, which is what you should watch out, as it's truly... A fraud on massive, massive proportions. So, our colleagues at Medusa learn that each participating enterprise is issued a series of barcodes or QR codes. Then, quote, those responsible for mobilization at the enterprise, quote, are instructed to upload staff rosters complete with employees' names and telephone numbers. The website then links each one to a unique code. During the voting period, volunteers at polling stations will scan these QR codes under the pretense of conducting quizzes and staging contests among voters, and thereby collect data on voter turnout. And about these contests, yeah, you can win uh, insane amounts of prizes if you vote, But it turns out that, um, yeah, recently a huge scandal popped up when it was found out that one of the governmental workers who's responsible for counting these votes had just won an apartment in Moscow. Not like she's going to be given any, but still. After Medusa published its report, Votely, or Votelli, I'm just gonna close it Votely, closed access to its demo version and the system's user instructions and deleted its mobile apps for scanning QR codes and collecting turnout data from the iOS and Android app stores. By that point, however, my good friends in Medusa had already found the directory with the user instructions on the Votely website. For some reason, it was not password protected. The instructions included a video demonstrating the system's user interface and discussing how to work with it in detail. The former developer of Votely's online system and mobile apps is a man by the name of Ivan Valentinovich Petrov who lives in the city of Rybinsk, which is in Yaroslav region. An IT specialist by training, he previously worked for the local authorities in 2017, when he created a website for the Yaroslav Regional Governors Project, quote, on the development of a modern city environment, titled We decide together! We decide together to totally get more Putin, obviously. That said, the Votely system that Petrov developed is now working through IT infrastructure belonging to Russia's governmental agencies. According to data from the service Subdomain Finder, the Votely.ru site has 30, 30 subdomains that use the format xx.votely.ru, where xx is typically a number, which coincides with the number assigned to whatever region is using the system. For authorization of this system, You need to select a region and enter a login and password. After this, the user is transferred to the regional version of the system. This is what all the subdomains are needed for. The system is divided by region in order to differentiate user's access to data. A source inside a system informed me. And according to RIPE NCC, a non-for-profit or corporation that acts as a regional internet registry for Europe, Central Asia and the Middle East, a number of votely subdomains are located at IP addresses belonging to governmental agencies in the Komi Republic, Domsk, Volgograd, Krasnodar, Bashkorstan, Chuvashya and Tambov. Basically, all these sites are there to make sure that you don't go and vote as you want but instead that they could control you and make sure that you vote for Putin once again. The remaining subdomains are located at private data centers, in particular at Rostelecom and the Russian Internet hosting provider Selectel Limited. Meanwhile, the numbers in the subdomain do in fact coincide with the numbers assigned to the region where its network is located. For example, the subdomain 68.votly.fru is located at the IP address 194.226.132.6, which is registered to the Tombov Regional Governments Regional Information Technology Center. Vote.ly subdomains have also been linked to IP addresses, belonging to organizations in the Yaroslav region where the system was developed, as well as the Altai territory, the Nizhny Novgorod region and another of 10 of Russia's regions. Basically, what this vote.ly does is just ensures that if you don't come to the voting service, if you don't register, if you don't do anything, they will vote for you and they will vote yes and nothing will change except turning Russia into an even more imperialistic state than it has become before. The general director of the internet hosting provider Deephost, Philipp Kuljen, found additional evidence pointing to the fact that the Votely systems is running on state servers. It's like a government-run voting system so that you cannot ever vote against the government. Quote, for example, the information on the reverse records on the IP address and 1942261326, yeah, Whatever, I'll just name it. Which corresponds to 68 volt.ru, is located on the DNS servers NS-tombov.gov.ru 2 ns 2 Gavru, and the ns 3 Gavru. The domain gov.ru is a verified domain that belongs to Russia's Federal Protective Services. Which is basically the FSB is running all of this operation and they can just discount the votes that they do not like. We're looking at the biggest election fraud on the planet Earth right now because everyone obviously wants Putin to run for a couple of more terms and if he doesn't, well then, that's uh, the voters' fault because they voted through the internet or didn't arrive and then it was written in that they actually did vote for and agreed all of these nice little changes in the constitution which puts utter and complete Putin's supremacy over everything that can be said. And now let's turn to uh, the response of the Kremlin spokesman, who reported of uh, major companies monitoring voter turnout among employees. And this again comes from my friends and Medusa, because well, they're my buddies, and they actually have the right to go to Russia and ask. And this is a part of the interview. Quote. Medusa Quote. Our publication discovered that there is an electronic system called Votely.true, which is being used to monitor turnout among employees at large enterprises in the vote on amendments to the constitution. For example, Russian Post, Rostek, and Rostelecom are connected to the system. Employees at these companies are being given special QR codes, which are then scanned at polling stations under the pretense of participating in various contests and quizzes. All the data is being entered into the Votely system. The experts we interviewed say that this kind of data collection violates the law. We also found out that the system is working on the servers of Russia's government agencies using their IP addresses. Does the Putin administration know about the existence of such a system? Is this system connected to the authorities and will the Kremlin look into how it ended up on the servers of government agencies? And here Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov, quote I didn't understand anything from what you said, I'll be frank. We don't know anything about such a system and you should probably contact the departments that you mentioned. I just don't understand how. I could be given a QR code at work, so that I participate in the draw for something. Now, I work in the presidential administration. I also don't understand how some Rostec employee could receive a QR code and so on. How can he be obliged to take a QR code? That I simply can't imagine. Therefore, I, unfortunately, don't understand the crux of your question. If you somehow found out about the existence of data of such a system, then publish. Medusa. Yes, we have two reports on this topic. They even include video instructions for using this system. Dmitry Peskov Are you sure this isn't fake? This is just going on now. You yourself understand. Don't be like those quote-unquote RESPECTED American publications. Medusa, we received evidence from civil servants from the regions that they are already actually being forced to obtain these QR codes for voting. Dmitry Peskov, understood. Well, I don't know if this is the case or not, but supposing that some civil servants were forced to obtain a QR code in order to participate in voting, this of course is something that President Putin would categorically oppose. You heard his statement about the purity of the vote as the main goal, but I'm repeating once again, this is not the case. Now the trick is that Mr. Putin has stated himself that, um, and I quote here: "If he wanted an authoritarian system in Russia, that he would just change the constitution." This is from Putin in 2004. Well, now this is exactly what is he doing right now? But there is also some other thing to talk about, and this is the cover-up of the major Norilsk incident, which also happens at this point where Putin is trying to cheat on his elections. I also need to talk about that, because otherwise, well, one of the world's largest ecological catastrophes will just pass on by completely unnoticed.
0: Hey guys, Annette here! Hope you are enjoying our new episode of the Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on Patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you
1: online. Labdien visiem, and greetings from the Latvia Weekly podcast. If you're interested in finding out more about what happens here in Chris home country, you can join me, Joe Horrigan, and my friends Otto, Olives, and Carlos as we talk through the biggest events that happen each week, such as our crazy political system and our love of trains. We also, from time to time, do interviews with very interesting people who live here in Latvia, such as Kristaps, who we've had on the show twice. You can go check out those episodes right now, actually, and all of our episodes on your favorite podcast app, and also on YouTube, where we do video recordings, and you can also like our facebook page latvia weekly where we have stories of the day every single day and we also do some live episodes from time to time so we hope to see you there take care and la visiam enjoy the rest of the show this podcast brought to you by russianvoiceovers.eu enjoy So, after 20,000 metric tons of diesel spilled into Arctic waters, Russian officials took two full days to react. Then, they spread falsehoods about when they learned the spill and what had happened. On May 29th, 20,000 tons of diesel fuel spilled out of a faulty tank in the northern Siberian city of Norilsk, flooding the surrounding waterways with a red slick easily visible by satellite. The tank was part of the Norilsk Tyre Energy Company's thermal power plant number 3, whose parent firm, Norilsk Nickel, is known for its connections to other ecological disasters. According to Nor-Nickel, the latest spill stemmed from melting permafrost underneath the corroding tank. Northern Siberia is currently undergoing a major heat wave. Officials estimate that cleaning the Norisk spill will take at least a half a year, while the environment surrounding the city will take at least a decade to recover as the climate crisis continues to take its toll. Amid that recovery, one key question is why government officials learned about and acted on the historic spill DAYS after it happened. And uh, well, some of my contacted people went there and asked some questions. The beginning of June gave Russian President Mr. Putin a rude awakening about how well he really understands what goes inside his country. By the time Putin learned that thermal power plant number 3, Tets-3, three, in Norilsk had a failed fuel tank, 20,000 tons about 25,000 cubic meters of diesel had already spilled into the surrounding landscape, risking pollution as far as the Kara Sea and the Arctic Ocean. The volume of pollution released puts this disaster in line with the top 10 oil spills in human history. Rather than learning about the spill directly from the local officials, however, Putin was informed of the disaster after deputy prime minister noted news reports and public social media posts about it. On June the 3rd, Putin responded by calling on an online meeting that included the regional governor of Krasnodar Krai, the federal emergencies minister and the head of the company that owns the power plant, each of whom eagerly put responsibility for reporting the oil spill onto the other two. Emergencies Minister Yevgeny Zinchev claimed that his officials only found out about the spill on May 31st. Governor Alexander Uss said the plant's employees reported the fire incident as early as the morning of May 29th, but did not report any ecological damage. The Noretsk Taimir Energy Company's Sergei Lipkin provided as few details as possible, arguing only that his firm would report the spill and follow with cleanup protocols. Putin was hardly satisfied. At one point in the meeting, he asked Lipkin, So, are we going to learn about emergencies from social media now? Really? Is everything all right with your health over there? The day of the meeting, Russia's Federal Investigative Committee opened a criminal negligence case, quote, in connection with the untimely distribution of information about the emergency, end quote. At the power plant, prompted Norilsk Nikel to release his communication record about the spell immediately. The first suspect named in the case was Norilsk Mayor Rinat Ahmetichin, after the case against Akhmetchiev was opened, Krasnoyarskaya Governor Alexander Us changed his tune, arguing that his administration had been repeatedly misinformed about the scale of the diesel spill in Norilsk. Quote, "You can't explain this disinformation except by calling it an attempt to cover up what happened to the magnitude of what happened," Us told journalists. Investigators allege that Ahmetician coordinated improperly with other city-level officials, specifically those in emergency services. That's the office that handles incidents like the Tet 3 spell by responding to emergency calls by, made by the hotline 122. And my friends of Medusa obtain access to internal documents, including records of 112 communications from the Natural Crisis Management Center, which is a part of Russia's Emergencies Ministry. These records reveal who had said what about the Nornikals pill and, most importantly, when. Quoting from Medusa. Quote, we found that the government officials did not tell the truth about when their agencies first learned of the spell. They also told Nornikel and the city of Norilsk to handle the resulting environmental damage on their own, time, even when the scale disaster was clear to all involved. Russia's emergencies minister, Yevgeny Zinchev told President Vladimir Putin that his ministry only learned about the disaster in Norilsk on May 31st. That's two days after the fuel tank had actually failed, releasing thousands of tons of diesel. However, internal ministry documents obtained by, again, my buddies in Medusa, which I'm using in this case, showed that Norisk's 112 hotline sent the Regional Crisis Management Center a message on May 29th at 12, column 52 p.m., almost immediately after the emergency began. The message warned that a tank carrying 21,000 cubic meters of fuel had become depressurized. At 3 p.m. same day, 112 sent the Tsuk's that's the emergency center, a more detailed description of the incident. Like its national counterpart, the the regional TSUKS is a branch of the Emergencies Ministry that is responsible for coordinating immediate responses to disasters. The first person to notify officials about the spill was a guard at the Norwich power plant. She called 112 at 12.51pm to say that the fuel had spilled onto the road. At 12.52 she reported that the car on the road had caught fire. Norris resident Andrei Afigenovich said he had been driving down the road when he noticed a large parallel up ahead. Thinking it was water, he kept driving, but the flow of liquid suddenly rose and he realized it smelled like fuel. Afigenov told Baza that he escaped from the roof of his Nissan Almera as flames began to consume the vehicle. The Almera's body sits 16 centimeters, more than six inches, above ground, so the river of diesel must have been at least half a foot deep to have been ignited by the heat of the car. Four minutes after Afigenov's car caught fire, Nornikel's headquarters got a message from the power station's dispatcher and forwarded it, once again to 112. At about the same time, 12.55, the Regional emergencies Ministry posted a public notice about the spill and the burning car on its website. Nornikel could not explain why its headquarters only learned about the spill when Afigenovich's car caught fire, not when the tank first failed. It took about 2 hours for Nickel and emergency ministry firefighters to put out the flames surrounding the spell. Photos and videos from the scene obtained by, again, my buddies at Medusa, read their site medusa.io, uh, show a turbulent flow of diesel. One worker points to what looks like a stream running through the snow and says, quote, and that leak right there is pure diesel running along. Two hours after the spell, at 3 p.m. local time, 112 operator Kulayev sent the emergencies ministry's tasks an internal report. He named the fuel tank that had depressurized and specified that it contained 21,000 cubic meters of diesel. Kulayev also noted that he informed both local and regional emergency officials about the spell. In short, the regional emergencies ministry was informed multiple times about the disaster and its scale within hours of the fuel spill itself. And, both Benusa sources in the television station, are REN TV, said a report on the spill was then included in the following morning's briefing for the emergency ministry federal headquarters. What this means is that we have a fraudulent watering system going on right now, amidst one of the largest and most terrible natural catastrophes on the planet Earth. This is what's going on. Nothing is well. And we can only hope that it gets better somehow. Because otherwise, well... It's gonna get worse. And Ramzan Kadyrov, well, I have no news about him, about his COVID infection, sadly. I would have put him here right now. But in general, all what's happening just leads us to the future where where bad things might happen and it doesn't seem like anything is going to get even the tiniest bit better. We'll keep you updated. At any anyway, rate, thank you for enjoying this episode. Follow us on Twitter at Eastern underscore Border or find us on the Facebook page, The, uh, the Eastern Border, or just go to our homepage, theeasternborder.lv or become a patron at patreon.com slash the Eastern Border. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this political episode. But Russia's literally, polluted and on fire and being run by cheats. До свидания, товарищи.
0: This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.